Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Jonathan All. June 4th marked the first day the state posted application forms for patients who want medical marijuana ID cards, which is unprecedented in the state's history. The application forms are also for would-be marijuana businesses, dispensaries, growers, and others. Patients may file applications beginning July 4th, businesses August 3rd. Joining me to talk about what the legalization of medical marijuana means for Missouri and the process of how physicians prescribe them as dispensaries start opening up in communities across the state are Dr. Mimi Vo and Rala Councilman Daniel Jones. Councilman Jones uses marijuana to treat PTSD and other disorders and supports decriminalization of the drug. He joins us by phone. In studio is Dr. Vo. She is a local physician who is also part of the Missouri Medical Cannabis Trade Association. Councilman Joe, Dr. Vo, thank you both for being on the program today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So uh, obviously this is something that was passed by the people in a a referendum, but now that we're getting to it actually coming uh, to fruition, what does legalization of medical marijuana mean for Missouri? Dr. Vo, we'll start with you. So what this means is that um, the first time in, in history in Missouri, I as a physician with a medical license here have that option to um, try medical marijuana for my patients for multiple different um, diseases, including chronic pain, epilepsy, Crohn's disease, um, and other qualifying conditions. Um, it does not mean that it may be the perfect fit for that patient, but for example, chronic pain, I may be able to use just a handful of medicines, and uh, many times they're not helpful or they're not effective. And so this is one other modality that we as a physician would be able to possibly certify that the patient has a condition and they may have that avenue to try. Daniel, what was your take on it? I would go on to say that, that I think it's really important that, that folks that have, have been using this plant and this uh, non-toxic, safe alternative, safer alternative to so many other things out there, we finally have an avenue to do that legally as opposed to illicitly. So uh, to me, today, we, we've, we've taken great steps in, in erasing a black market that's, that's, really, that's really put a shade on, on that industry. Well, there's two things about this that I'd like both of you to comment on. First of all, is that that usually when a new drug becomes available for physicians, there's an FDA trial, um, then everybody kind of gets the access to it at the same time. Mm-hmm. But since states have been adding medical marijuana at different times, Dr. Vo, do you feel like you have more information better understanding of best practices and what works and what doesn't because the other states have done this previously, unlike a new drug that comes on the market when everybody kind of gets it at the same time. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Um, there is quite a bit of research available that shows that uh, marijuana is effective as a medicine for many different conditions. However, because it has been made illegal for so many years and the negative stigma of it, we don't have the quality research that we we would like. So there is not the avenue to be able to go down the road where we can have um, specific dosing or go through the FDA and and whatnot because it has been Schedule 1 by the DEA, so it, it's federally illegal. Um, there's not a lot of federal research dollars that have been uh, available for physicians and scientists to research it. Um, but now that we are the 33rd state to have uh, medical marijuana available, we have the ability to look at these other states and what it's been used for, um, and that is very, very helpful. As, as a physician, you, 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 I don't think there's ever been another case where someone's been using something to self-medicate that was illegal and now becomes legal. 
legal? Does that change the algebra on how you look at patient care? Because you can have somebody right. come to you and say, I've been using this for years and it's mm-hmm. been working great. That usually isn't uh, something with a new depression medication or a new diabetes yeah. medication. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that now that the landscape has changed where this this negative stigma is going away, patients are, are willing to come to me or go to their physicians and say, I have been using this for years for sleep or for anxiety or for my irritable bowel syndrome. And so we're learning as a medical community as well um, about these different ways that patients have been using it. But that's right, there's never um, been anything like this before where patients are using this uh, for for chronically for a long time, um, and yet the medical community is is really behind. I'd like to make sure that our listeners, though, they can know they can join us on the conversation. If you have a question or comment about this topic, you can call us at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can tweet us at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. Daniel, can you give me a little bit of, of your history with marijuana and how you became active in advocating for it, um, both medically and, and you also would like to, to see its freedoms go further? You betcha. So I was an eight-year uh, Navy veteran. I was combat photojournalist, photojournalist in the Navy and uh I walked away with that with a few different ideas of uh, of what medicine looked like. I've, I've spent some time in some other countries and, and seen things in other places. And what I came back with was a, was a few different ailments from eight years in service, which I think anybody that's in for that long is going to have you know an issue or two. And I found that only only cannabis and counseling really helped with with me. And one of those was was illegal. So when I came back to uh, Missouri to to reside, I decided to uh, to to deal in cannabis and to and to share cannabis and to and to help some folks out then well that ended up giving me uh, uh quite a bit of felony charges a three hundred thousand dollar bond and 256 days in a county jail here in phelps county i mean i decided that that wasn't that wasn't a good path for anybody to go down so i got got a little upset and decided to advocate and and be a, a bigger advocate advocate and activist for my plant and that's what i've been doing ever since um education and uh and tearing down those stigmas like Dr. Vo was discussing, that's, that I felt like that's been my job since, since they told me that I shouldn't have that plant and threw me in jail for it. Um, well, let's uh, talk about the different forms that medical marijuana can take, because I think that most people generally, when they think about marijuana, they think about what you smoke. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Dr. Vo, from a, a, a medical practitioner point of view, does the delivery method um, what delivery methods are available to you, and how do those affect treatment options? Right. In other states, there are very many different methods of administration. It's not just the smokable form. There's the vaporization form. There's also tinctures, capsules, uh, powder that can be added to drinks, creams, patches. So very many different ways to administer this medicine. Um, the smokable or inhalable forms are allow for a quicker delivery. So the patients who are having, for example, a panic attack can get relief or with pain can get relief quickly. However, it doesn't last a very long time. So um, then patients need to redose frequently. So for example, if, if I were to have a patient in the future who has troubles with um, anxiety and panic and they cannot sleep or their chronic pain and they cannot sleep, I would likely say, 
you know, let's you can try a vaporization method for a quick delivery, but then I would suggest a an ingestible or a sublingual form um, so that we have a longer duration, so the patient doesn't wake up in the middle of the night and have pain again or have um, be awakened from it. So that we have a a quick delivery and also a longer delivery method. But there are multiple multiple, multiple ways to deliver the medication. Are there any other medications that are analogous to that? That there are different delivery methods depending on because I. I, I don't know that I've ever gotten a prescription for anything other than a pill or I guess when I was really little, you know, liquid form. But is there any other medication that has that, that wide array of delivery methods? I would guess um, maybe albuterol, which is used for asthma. There's a, a short-acting albuterol um, a meter dose inhaler, which will last four to six hours. There's the longer preparation that will last 12 hours. There there is um, oral form of albuterol. It's not very used very often, um, but yes, there. I think that was that would be one that I would say is analogous. Uh, let's take a phone call. Um, Chris from the Shaw neighborhood uh, is is on the line. Uh, Chris, uh, you have a question. Well, just that the doctor uh, earlier said that this uh, by legalizing medical marijuana, it's going to do away with an illicit marketplace. And was just reading recently that the case in California is 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 just the opposite. There's still an enormous black market of people who don't want to pay the taxes on it, and it's enraging those that are going the legal route because they're paying taxes, and there still is a large segment of the population that is selling it illegally. Are they? But isn't there a difference though between recreational use and medicinal use? Is there a black market for medicinal use? Or is it a black market for recreational use? Because I think that's one of the things that, and, and Chris, I think it's a very valid question, and thank you very much for your call. Uh, but I'd, I'd like both of you to, to, to talk about this, because in Missouri, what's legal is medicinal use. But it seems like the discussion immediately goes to recreational use. In Illinois, our neighbors just passed recreational use. There's other states where recreational use is. So how do you do what you do? And Dr. Vogel, we'll start with you. How do you do what you do professionally with that specter hanging over it? Sure. There is a list of qualifying conditions, and patients can go to the Department of Health's website to see if they would qualify. Mm -hmm. For me, what's most exciting is that I have patients who are using it from the illicit market. But this in the future, we will have the ability to understand what dosage they, what doses they are using in what form, and I think more importantly to have the lab testing so that if my patient has a side effect or they have um, maybe a rash that I can know that the product that they're using does not have fungus or bacteria um, and or or use of pesticides that are that should not be used. Um, so I think that for a medicine. Um, that is is a different conversation than the adult use conversation. Uh, Councilman Jones, you've been pretty uh, vocal that you'd like to see recreational use happen or decriminalization. You've kind of gone beyond it. Is it difficult for you to uh, have a line where you're talking about different things when you're talking about medicinal versus non-medicinal use? Well, part, part of the problem that we have there, like in places like California, is that it has been illicit for so long that it's really hard to break up a black or gray market that's existed there for, for as long as it has out there. The fact is that exists everywhere. Being able to, uh, to uh, destigmify it, being able to regulate, being able to uh, educate, those are the things that are going to help do away with that black market and those gray markets. Are people going to sell 
a little bit of cannabis on the side. Yeah, well, sure, everywhere you go, you're going to see that kind of a market. People share that plant. That's what's always happened. But we do need to take the money out of the, out of the black market. Part of that is that the federal government needs to immediately realize that they are, they, they are standing in the state's ways every time that we do these these conversations that's the, I have these conversations that's what that's what ends up in the way of it is the federal government not moving as quickly as our states and our people's rights are we need it's to take to imagine a situation where where one person is busted because they have a plant and a little bit of cannabis in their pocket but then the other one is hailed as brave for going in and get their medical card it just doesn't make sense to keep putting people in jail for this we do need to take a quick break but we'll be right back to continue this conversation this is st louis on the air on st louis public radio 90.7 kwmu support comes from the missouri forest products association committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com. Welcome back to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Jonathan All. Now back to our conversation with Dr. Mimi Vo and Rala City Councilman Daniel Jones on medical marijuana. Um, while uh, it did pass as a, a statewide referendum, and, uh, and, and even a lot of the discussion, um, uh, people talking about this, it seems that generally uh, people are accepting of medical marijuana as a reality. There are certainly uh, some people who uh, have some concerns with it. We want to play a little piece of tape of uh, Brandon Kasterison of the National Council on Alcoholism and Drug Abuse in the St. Louis area uh, when he was talking against Amendment 2. People who do hair braiding for a living are required to go through more training than the dispensary staff. Now, Amendment 3 has to have a uh, pharmacist on call 24 hours a day, but that's not training for staff. Servers and wait staff have to have more training to hand you your food than the bud tenders at dispensaries that are giving you medical advice. That's a big problem. I'd like both of you to react to that. Daniel, can you start? Yeah, I, I heard all kinds of things wrong with that. Um, first off, Amendment 2 introduced cannabis, medical cannabis into Missouri as, as one of our most regulated industries we've ever seen. Um, and as for, uh, as for everything else he said, I just, I think that, I think that there was a lot of, there was a lot of debate and a lot of arguing happening back then, but the reality is, is that, that alcohol and, and, and pills and things like this, uh, I get really upset when people compare them, but at the same time, they, they they want to regulate them as soon as we have them available. So I just think that there was a lot more that, that could have been said at that time. Dr. Vo. So I will say, being on the Trade Association, I've gotten a chance to look at the questions that these businesses have to answer in order to win one of these licenses for whether it be cultivation, manufacturing, or dispensary. Um, they First of all, there needs to be some experience um, and there also needs to be some experience in healthcare, in the healthcare pharmacy industry. Um, the people who are a part of this industry who are applying for these licenses are people that have lots of experience in other businesses, and it's going to be a very tough process for them to go through. And uh, you know, when I get questions all the time from these business owners who are looking to apply, you know, where can they? go to find the best training for their staff. So you better believe that they are looking at training their staff to understand cannabis very much so, and also they will likely have a medical advisor on their team or a pharmacy advisor on their team, if not 
be a, a, a doctor or a pharmacist. Um, when And I get these questions from patients as I go out to speak to um, the multiple sclerosis groups or the cancer survivor groups. You know, how will they know which dispensary is good, which dispensary to go to. And I implore them to just call and find out what the training for their staff is. Um, there are already some dispensary um, staffing, staff training companies that have held, have held seminars here in our state. So those are already happening. So those dispensary agents will be, will be educated. Well, and there are other states that have already done that. And that gets us to John on Twitter who asked, how does Missouri's rollout of medical marijuana compare to other states? Um, there have been delays in Arkansas and Ohio, lack of access. Um, how are things shaping up or expected to shape up in Missouri? I don't think we could expe- have expected um, any better than what is going on right now. The um, amendment to, as it was written and became a part of our constitution, um, I have met multiple times with uh, Dr. Williams and Director Fraker, who is the director of the medical marijuana program, and they are following uh, the rule to the T. They're... they're um, really moving right along. And and there are other states that we didn't see this happen. So I think that we are fortunate um, as a state to have them in place to to make sure that this is uh, rolled out the way it was meant to be by Amendment 2. And and I will say that uh, on speaking with them, both of them have said that their North Star is the patients and patient access. So they very much care about patients being able to get access to this medicine and awarding those licenses to those who will have the best business experience and best business model. Well, and and the the other thing that is happening is that cities are creating the rules on where dispensaries, labs, research facilities can locate. And and Councilman Jones, this would be good for you to speak to, uh, because the city of Rolla went through the debate of, uh, I think the primary one was uh, the number of feet setbacks that this had to have from schools, daycares, places of worship. Um, Amendment 2 said 1,000 feet, but cities could reduce it. Um, Rolla chose 500 feet after doing uh, less of a setback was uh, 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 rejected. Um, and you know some some communities are doing the full thousand feet. Some are doing zero. Uh, Councilman Jones, how do you think that, that is playing out as communities get prepared to have these uh, these businesses locate in, in their various cities? Well, I think I think first off, we've seen across Missouri that a lot of citizens have spoke up here in Rolla specifically. Our citizens spoke up. I was myself backing a zero to three hundred foot uh, buffer, but I heard from so many so many folks here that they were more comfortable with the 500 feet. So that's what that's what our council ended up going with. Um, I do think it was it was very neat to see uh, my community stand up and and have a lot to say from both sides of it. It's been a long time since we've seen that type of a show out at City Hall over over one thing. It's it's amazing that we're providing this this alternative to our citizens in Rolla, but it's also only the first step. We have to cease being unfair to a lot of our other citizens. I think that's the next step is to is to pay attention to uh, medical as it lands and and see what it does for our, for our, especially our smaller communities like Rolla. But then I also think it's time to start stop putting people in jail over it. I'm wondering, Daniel, the, 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 one of the arguments that some people made against medical marijuana is the, uh, the slippery slope argument, or what some people would call the slippery slope fallacy, um, that if you do this, then it is just a matter of time until recreational uh, adult use is, is, is available. I'm wondering your perspective on it, Daniel, does that feed into that narrative 
that people had because even before medical marijuana is uh, is legal in this state, some advocates, including you, are already saying, "Well, this is the only, this is the first step." There, there was no point in in my in my relationship with cannabis where I didn't didn't uh, I wasn't able to separate the two. I've I've been an advocate for medicinal marijuana for a long time, um, and and working with patients and working with folks in the area, I've learned a lot about that. But what I can tell you is that I've advocated for recreational cannabis for a whole lot longer than that since I first met the plant. And what I what I can tell you is that that path will continue to go forward for me even even after medicinal lands and provides the comfort that it has. My fight is not not even begun to be over. Doctor Vo, I'm wondering if you can. Uh, you, you hear Daniel use words like my relationship with, you know, with this medicine. Um, do you, is that unique? Do people talk about their relationship with their cholesterol medication or a relationship <laughs> with their liver medication? No, well, I but can, no. I can tell you right away that if someone's put in jail, oh, I apologize, I thought it was me. I, I, would, I would tell you right away that nobody's getting put in jail for 256 days for cholesterol medication. <laughs> <laughs> their relationship with it. No, but I think that one thing that's unique about cannabis is it gives people um, peace and joy in their lives. Uh, I have patients who have who suffer from depression or PTSD, and they find cannabis is helpful for them to feel whole again. And so I hear that very often, where people will use this, use it even as a, a wellness medicine because it's treating their their sleeping better. Now their pain is better, um, and they they feel more awake and alive. And I, and I hear that very often, especially in patients who are addicted to opiates and heroin. I see that very often that they're able to use cannabis to get off their opiates and they have a joy of life and so I I can see why why you know someone would feel that close to that to their medicine if it's it's providing that for them um, let's go to Paul in st. Louis who's calling in who has a, a question for us Paul you're on st. Louis on the air Paul did we lose Paul all right uh, let's go to mark mark in the Shaw neighborhood uh, mark you had a question Thanks for taking my call. I'm a medical student here in town, and I was recently out of town at somewhere where marijuana is recreationally legal. And I was very alarmed by some of the marketing tactics that these recreational companies are using, making alarming and, frankly, outright ridiculous claims about the benefits of marijuana, that it's antimicrobial, that it's anti-neoplastic. And while I do think there are legitimate therapeutic um, uses for marijuana, I also want to learn by some of the dialogue. I think we need to really welcome criticism and look critically at it because if we don't do that, you know, we're going to treat it as a harmless panacea, and it's not that. Mark, may I ask you a question? Sure. Um, do you find that the marketing that you are seeing on medical or on marijuana making those claims is substantially different than, say, the claims that other that some FDA non approved things like herbals and, you know, oils and things like that, because it, it, I, I, I understand what you're saying, but I think that we have a lot of that going on already with other natural substances that are completely legal, where there are claims made that aren't, may not stand up to peer-reviewed scrutiny. Do you, think it's right. do you think it's significantly different the way that they're marketing marijuana in that way compared to the way that St. John's wort is marketed? No, that's an excellent question. And it's a difficult answer. I think it's very, very similar, but it's important to note that, um, you know, maybe not in the case of St. John's Wort with patients taking some specific drugs, but a lot of these herbal remedies are largely harmless. So even if they're being 
marketed dishonestly, I don't think that they are really harming our patients too much. And it's sort of like, well, if that works for you and that gives you peace of mind, go ahead. I don't think that marijuana is harmless, uh, particularly in the adolescent population. Um, so I think it's a little bit of a different conversation with regard to marijuana, but I think it's a totally fair point. Dr. Vo, you wanted to respond. Mark, thank you very much for your call. We do really appreciate it. Dr. Vo. Mark, so I, I, I see what you're saying, and I know that in the CBD market, there are companies who have made claims. CBD, just so mm-hmm. that everybody knows what we're talking about, mm-hmm. is... Cannabidiol, and it's um, it's in, in from the cannabis plant with low amounts of THC, less than 0.3%. Yes. So that's what we're seeing out in the marketplace. They are making certain claims, and those companies have gotten letters from the government saying, you know, please do not make these claims. And so I see that point, but there is research showing that there are antineoplastic or tumor shrinkage from using cannabis. And we don't have enough research and data to show it all, but we do have it in mice data. We do have it um, data from, from animals showing that we do see some antimicrobial effects. And as far as it's being harmful, there are very many herbal medications that are much more harmful than cannabis is. And a lot of research that's done in certain herbal medications that show that they're not effective or not helpful. So I, I see what you're saying. And I think that um, companies probably should not make you know claims without having data to back it up. But um, there is some data out there. And I know as a medical student, Mark, that they're, they're not, medical schools are traditionally not teaching cannabis. I believe it was the, the last data I saw was 85% of medical schools do not teach the endocannabinoid system, which is in all of our bodies, as well as cannabis. Um, I was fortunate last uh, two weeks ago to go to the University of Missouri, Kansas City with Dr. Trish Herford, and she and I um, were able to speak for the first time in Missouri history to medical students, residents, faculty at UMKC Medical School. So we were very glad to be able to have an hour where we can educate the medical community and especially medical students who are going to be the next, you know, the next generation of physicians um, about cannabis and what its side effects are, what and what it's good for, and what it, what the research is out there. So a couple of uh, people written, and I would like to try to get these in before uh, the end of our segment here. Jen in South St. Louis says, uh, wants to make sure that part of the discussion is around how the war on drugs has been detrimental to people of color and how medical marijuana is involved in the destigmatization and de-incarceration of black and brown people. Daniel, maybe you can start with that. You betcha. The, I think what's what's really wonderful to note is uh, is that this is becoming a conversation that is it is it is uh, linked arms with uh, with medicinal and recreational conversations across the state. Uh, the fact of the matter is that there's a there's a ton of statistics out there and a ton of research that says that that um, uh, that that folks of color have been uh, have been targeted and have been treated unfairly, and that's that's part of the issue that that we're dealing with. And there's a, there's even there's even plenty of efforts within the, uh, the the medical marijuana and recreational marijuana industries to try and include those people more. And folks like folks who have felony past, like myself, um, there, there's a lot of us out here that have been that have suffered through this drug war and are veterans of this drug war. And I think those are the folks that we need to lift up high and say, guys, we we're really sorry that you went through that, and this this is for you also. And I think that we need to be more inclusive about that and understand that the reality is is that those folks have been disproportionately targeted in the drug war. Matt, one of our listeners, has a, a question that I think we really need to get in. 
Um, I have a condition that qualifies me for medical marijuana under the law, though I don't even know where to begin the process of getting a medical card. Do I consult my primary care doctor? Do I call around looking for a doctor that specializes in medical cannabis prescriptions? Dr. Vo, what can you tell us about that? Sure. I believe the first place to go would be to go to your primary care physician. Um, one of my goals um, and one of my roles in the the uh, Missouri Cannabis Trade Association is as the healthcare and education chair to educate the physicians of Missouri about cannabis and the endocannabinoid system. And um, the the one of the steps is to to educate the physicians on what it means to certify because we are just certifying; we are not prescribing cannabis. We certify that the patient has the medical condition that they do have by looking at their medical records, talking to them, and examining them. Um, and so first step, go to your primary care physician. You can go to the um, D- Department of Health's website, medicalmarijuana.mo.gov, and you can go onto the patient section to look and understand uh, what the qualifying conditions are. And then there's a physician section. You can even print out the form and bring it to your doctor. It is no different than what I do currently to um, sort that the patient has um, a disability that they would need a disability parking sticker for. It's a, it's a very similar type of form. So you can print that out and take it to your primary care physician and see if they would be willing to certify you if they've seen you for a long period of time. If they're not able to, then the next step would to be find a physician that would be able to certify you. And there are um, websites out there currently, and there's a, a apps where you can find. So Google and look for that, and, and you might be able to find an app that you can download and find different physicians uh, in Missouri that are certifying But your, your advice would be that you shouldn't have a marijuana doctor and a regular doctor. You should have a doctor that is part of your primary care and mm-hmm. everything that's involved with your health including this, if it's what something Absolutely. that might Absolutely. That's the best case scenario. And if physicians are wanting to understand and learn more, um, we do have a one-hour PowerPoint presentation um, at the Missouri Cannabis Trade Association's website, mocantrade.org. You can go under news and events, and there was a presentation we gave at Venture Cafe a few months ago, and you can download the presentation. We hope to do this throughout the state because we have recently gotten one-hour continuing education credit for it. So we hope to go throughout the state to educate physicians for further and possibly have webinars as well as the live presentations. Well, definitely something that is going to be uh, developing as the year goes on and as it uh, becomes something that's actually sold um, in Missouri uh, in the beginning of next year. I want to thank Dr. Mimi Vo and Rolla City Councilman Daniel Jones for joining us today. Thank you both very much for being here. Thank you. Always good to talk to you, Jonathan. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU.